At WakeMed MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year. Primary care and urgent care under one roof. Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org. It's 5 p.m. 5 p.m. You're stuck working and disconnected from the sports world. What the hell is going on? Don't sweat it. The OG will catch you up on the biggest stories, the latest developments, and let you know who said something dumb on social media today. I just tweeted it. What's trending is now on the OG. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Obias. Dennis Cox is the producer of this program. We've got a fresh batch of college football playoff rankings. How high is North Carolina going to get? Will NC State get dropped out of the top 25? No more unbeatens in the NFL either. Let's log on to the internet, shall we? <coughs> What's Trending brought to you by Geico. you got a choice of ways that you can save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go online at geico.com or stop by the Geico office nearest you. Let's get it. What? 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 I, I was like... Carolina Hurricanes what? owner Tom Dundon <laughs> is being sued by the overseeing bankruptcy trustee for the Alliance of American Football. Dundon's being sued for at least $184 million because of the, the, the claim that he tanked the startup league when there were financial alternatives in a, an apparent counter move. This is according to The Athletic. Dundon in the same bankruptcy court also sued the AAF founder Charlie Ebersole for $70 million, claiming that Ebersol had misled him about the financial state of the AAF. This is a complicated story involving the Canes owner. We kind of we kind of referenced it with him when, when Tom Dundon visited our set outside PNC Arena for the season opener. And th- again, he can't say too much because it's a legal matter, but this is what he told us when the Alliance of American Football conversation did come up more to save the people from themselves and you didn't buy the american international whatever it was called for the alliance of america we solved all this in in easy you sit down with us and we solved all of this you know the whole like the whole idea that the media and all this i don't actually think the media is corrupt i think the problem is if i told you to something right now by the time it got back to me who after you told five people it wouldn't sound anything like what the game of telephone yeah yeah yeah. i think that's actually what happened so most of what you guys you just call me when you have a question because half the stuff you hear is not true. So that was Tom Dunham with us at the Canes season opener last month uh, when we were just kind of hashing some some matters out, and that's how he put it. The original query, of course, is that he invested in the AAF for the app abilities that the league was developing for gambling purposes. That was theoretically debunked, okay. but that's not the reason why. Dundon... Done that. My understanding of what happened with the Alliance of American Football was that Dundon came in to save the league to see if he could get on the ground floor of something that had some sort of association with the NFL. Because this is important. The trustees' complaint reveals several details that have not been made public previously. Perhaps the most striking the NFL had agreed to proceed with a business partnership with the AAF in exchange for warrants worth 15%. 
of the startup league. The, compa- the complaint reads that on January 30th, 2019, the NFL and the Alliance of American Football finalized a binding term sheet under which the alliance would spin out its technology development and products over time to a technology company that would provide the NFL access to those products under this agreement and would issue warrants for NSL, NFL subsidiary uh, for an NFL subsidiary to or subsidiary, I should say, to acquire fifteen percent stake in this company. This is Ebersol Sports Media Group, the original owner of the Alliance of American uh, Football. So when the NFL shuttered its last development league, NFL Europe, in two thousand seven, NFL spokesman said that via email that they would look into that claim. That's where the technology component comes in. Very similarly to baseball advanced media. Not to get too deep in the weeds here, but. You know, baseball made a lot of money by developing this product that ended up becoming the backbone for what you know as Disney Plus today. All right? So that's what the NFL was kind of looking at in terms of the Alliance of American Football and the partnership. So there's some truth to what Tom Dundon was looking to to invest in. But here's where the story, at least the way I understand it, starts to kind of tilt back towards Tom Dundon. How many times have a comp- has a company tried to sell itself or get more investors and then somebody comes in and looks at the books and goes, what the hell are you doing? All right? I mean, we're kind of seeing this with Twitter, right? And Elon Musk. What the hell are you doing? So Dundon looked at the books. Again, my understanding is that he looked at this business model and goes, this isn't going anywhere. And then when he couldn't necessarily get assurances from the NFL that this partnership was going to be anything more than a technology deal, that's when he decided, forget it, I'm cutting my losses right now. And ultimately, in Tom Dundon's world, it was kind of a drop in the bucket. But it is interesting from a business perspective on the NFL side, just how far they want to get connected with one of these startup leagues. Because how many more startup leagues have we seen? I mean, the XFL is back for the third time, right? The promise of the Alliance of American Football was that it was going to be something that the NFL would partner with. In terms with. of development, yeah, quarterbacks in particular need yes. to get game reps. I, I totally get the concept, but yes. at some point you have to get pay people to pay for a product. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it happening, particularly in the markets that they're picking. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Spe- speaking of the Canes, the team that Tom Dundon owns, they won last night beating the Chicago Blackhawks 3 nothing. The story there is that Peter Kochekov, their goalie, looked pretty good while some other aspects of the Canes game continued to struggle. Continuations with the power play, for instance. Adam Gold does the Canes Corner podcast. He's got two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Let's do that hockey. All right, boys, I got two minutes. Thanks to our friends at Dysart Willis for the man, the myth, the legend, Piotr Kochekov. Coochie, they call him. Well, Coochie didn't let anything through last night. 27 saves. Some of it sounded like this. Now loose pucks and across the Domi. And Kochenkov. Oh, another old school poke check as he came out and challenged Max Domi. Back in pass and his shot's right on. And another save from Kochetkov robbing Lafferty. The order Kochetkov. The human highlight reel right now. Another big save. Five seconds left. Three seconds left. Put it in the books. The first career shutout for Piotr Kochetkov in the National Hockey League. 
and the Canes blank the Hawks. His first career shutout. He has never lost in the NHL during the regular season. That's right. I think 5-0 and during the regular season. He is a machine. And Carolina might need him because we don't know how long Freddie Anderson's going to be out. You can't beat the brakes off Auntie Ranta because he's sort of made a paper mache anyway. And he's been great. So keep him rolling. Alternate him. Ranta one night, Piotr the next. Ranta one night, Piotr the next. Why not? Piotr was great last night. Actually, even though he was probably more spectacular against Edmonton, I think he was better against Chicago because he was more calm. He did not stray from his net too much. He didn't flop all over the place. He was just really, really good and quick. And by the way, speaking of good and quick, the Jordan Stahl line is Carolina's best. Jordan Martinook, Jordan Stahl, Jesper Faust each have three-game point streaks. Martinook has nine points on the year, fifth on the team. Get out of here. That's right. Jordan Martinook for Hart Trophy. Pyotr Kachetkov for Vezina. All right, we got to go. Dysart Willis, thank you. Canes win 3-0. That's Adam Gold. That's two minutes. You can get more in the Canes Corner podcast. Find that wherever you get your podcast. Next up. The Washington Commanders knocked off the Philadelphia Eagles last night, 32-21. The Eagles' first loss of the year, so now we got Larry Zonka sipping his brown liquor. We got the 72 Dolphins celebrating. There are no more unbeatens in the NFL for another year, Joe. Thank goodness. Do people still remember the 72 Dolphins? Mm, yeah, because every time somebody, the last unbeaten team loses their social media is on there and let me ask you this then. Do people still like the 72 Dolphins? Are there are there a group of people that were like, would you please just do it so we don't have to hear about the 72 Dolphins anymore? I mean, that, there was probably that. Maybe. Earlier, more when it was more fresh. But you got to remember, that 72 Dolphins team, they weren't the Steelers, they weren't the Cowboys, so yeah. there's probably a chip on their shoulder in terms of, hey, we, we've never really gotten the recognition we feel like we deserve. For being the only team in NFL history to, to in the Super Bowl era to finish unbeaten. So here's where we are at with the NFL and the Eagles losing. They were going to lose at some point. I'm not going to sell on the Eagles because the Washington Commanders did a really good job executing their run game, keeping a little keep away, you know, playing a little keep away from Jalen Hurts. I'm not going to, you know, go out of my way to praise Taylor Heineke for his play. It's not like he was doing anything that was outwardly crazy. Heineke finished 17 for 29 and 211 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception with a 66.9 passer rating. I mean, is that something Some, i got to get worked up about? Somewhere Matt Rule's got to be crying because Joey Sly, the science guy, made a 58-yarder and a 55-yarder. Nobody loved a long field goal attempt like Matt Rule. He did. He did love that. He did love that. And with Joey Sly, no less. So for me, for me, and, and what happened last night was just more of the, the commanders finding a good way for keep away. Washington ran 81 plays for 330 yards. They ran it a ton, 152 yards on the ground, and they converted 57% of their third downs. They were 12 of 21 on third down. That's a pretty good clip. And they had scoring plays that were like 12 plays. Or scoring drives, I should say, of 12 plays, 16 plays. Is that something that could be easily replicated against the Eagles? I'm not so sure. There's also some 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 unfortunate plays that played out for the Eagles as well. So I'm not selling. The question now that the, another week of the NFL's is is in the books, are you selling on the Bills? Are you selling on Tom Brady still now that they're back on top of the NFC South? 
I'm not going to sell the Bills yet. They kind of are what they are. But here's what I'm not going to do going forward. We've seen enough from Tom Brady looking bad to know that he might have some spots here and there. But for the most part, we can finally see that Tom Brady is washed. And the Buccaneers are not true playoff contenders, even if they're going to win the NFC South. Congratulations on winning the South, which is an atrocious league, as we've come to find out. But I'm not really going to be in the mode of, you never know with Tom Brady once they get to the postseason. The NFC playoffs, I mean, you can't sell the Eagles because you have to look around at who the other options are. You know, the Vikings are 8-1. and one. The Eagles, that's the one good win on the Eagles' resume right now. The Giants are 7-2. and two. Yes, Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are, but do you really think the Giants are 7-2? and two? Good. I don't. Funny to me is I actually think the best team in the NFC is the Niners, and they're 5-4. and four. I mean, they're, they're you, you screw around, you find out, and the Niners need to stop screwing around. Next up, number two. So, we get our first real look at college hoops tonight. This is kind of like the unofficial debut for John Shire as the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils as they take on Kansas in the Champions Classic. And sandwiched in there, you're going to have the college football playoff rankings, which we'll get to in a little bit. But, you know, it's it's funny. as We, we spent a lot of time talking about college basketball and what needs to be fixed and everything else. And I do think there's kind of a – if you're a college football fan who's tuning in tonight for the college football playoffs, you should probably pay some attention to how basketball's been working with NIL, right? Because what have we been dealing with with college basketball? Who the hell is where? Exactly. It, it used to be, I don't know these freshmen. I guess we'll get to know them. Now it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You were on Radford last year. Wait, oh, wait, you just came from, you just came from Northwestern, you know, Pete Nance. There's one guy from Baylor who ended up where? You know, like, Illinois, so, yeah. Okay. So that's kind of where we're at with college basketball. And you'll get a familiarity tonight for the rest of the season, who's good, who's bad, et cetera, et cetera. But this is something that as we get closer to the end of the college football season, Julio, college football fans better be paying attention to what's yeah. been happening in basketball because we're about to see this really get going in football. I think it's going to be wild. I think there's going to be seismic changes in the sport, particularly for those SEC and Big Ten teams who have more money than the ACC schools. I think you're going to see players who you might not have thought leave, leave. Jordan Addison last year at Pitt, the number one example mm -hmm. when he left in the spring. The coaching carousel is going to have a big deal to do with it, too. Like, if you leave, do you take your quarterback with you? Do you take your, like, just like Lincoln Riley did last year? So I think you're going to see a lot of seismic changes in the college football landscape. And it's going to be curious to see who wants to, you know, who wants to run the race, who wants to keep up with the big boys, and who's going to be content trying to build the better mousetrap, you know, like a, like a Wake Forest has done. But the problem is when we start talking about – the problem when we start talking about money is I can give you a bunch of examples of teams that have used NIL to kind of reshape how their recruiting classes sure, have gone. Sure, Texas a number one. That's, yep. the, that's the prime example. Miami has every advantage Miami, of the yeah. war in the world – to go and get who they want because they have a very motivated fan base that will have the money for you. I mean, well, they have a billionaire who's motivated. John well, Ruiz, yeah. So there's any number of ways that you can go and get this recruiting class that you that you want or go get the player that you need. That doesn't necessarily mean that your team's going to have this turnaround. Texas has every advantage of the world, and they keep flailing around trying to figure out what's next. And it's only going to get harder for them now that they're going into the SEC. They were, you know, kings of the castle when they're in the Big 12. Now you're, they're just another team. 
in the SEC, competing with Alabama, competing with Georgia, super motivated money at Texas A&M. Because you got to remember, Texas A&M is essentially NC State with money and how they want to go about things. So I get what you're saying. And yes, fans need to get with the program. And, you're, and speaking of programs, your program needs to get with the program. All right? Like, I, shout out to my neighbor who's in that pack of wolves stuff and he's kind of wondering where's this all going if nc state doesn't get organized is carolina organized in football going forward you know we were talking about this during the break drake may's not going anywhere right but who's to say a dynamic playmaker might not have the jordan addison treatment where some big name school can throw a bunch of money at him and go so it's gonna be a really interesting offseason in college football and you've kind of gotten a preview for it with hoops in hoops next up the number one story of the day we're number one we're number one speed of college football the college football playoff rankings are tonight how far will carolina move up how far back will nc state drop we'll discuss next Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete of Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, is it still true that a million is enough to retire on? Tim, maybe and maybe not. The most important thing is to get a real plan that gives you income you never outlive. We'll give that away to the next 10 people. Call right now. The number to call, 800-691-3215. Text TIM to 600-700 if you're interested in texting. Once again, that phone number is 800-691-3215 or text TIM to 600-700 for that deal. College football playoff rankings will come out tonight. It'll sit in between the Champions Classic games. Uh, this, is my, this is my favorite time of the year where you get like the mashup. You get college basketball folks, college football folks all coming together for this kind of thing. I'm not quite sure we're going to see much in the way of changes tonight uh, in terms of the teams that are currently in the running for the college football playoff. Georgia, still going to be number one. Ohio State, yeah, still going to be number one. Michigan and TCU, they're all unbeaten. I don't think things are going to change. So the question is going to be, what does the college football playoff committee mix up? What I think is going to be intriguing is North Carolina of all teams. I'm not just bringing up North Carolina because they're the local squad that's in this discussion. But at 9-1, and one, with a win over Wake Forest, who has been at times floating in, you know, has been in the top 25 of the college football playoff uh, and could easily move back in had they won that game, how are they going to treat that win? Are they finally going to move North Carolina ahead of Penn State and Utah, each having two losses? Because we've talked about this in the past when it comes to the rankings. One loss can be explained. And I have no problems moving a one-loss team ahead of an unbeaten team. Because of that very reason. You can explain away a loss for any number of factors. What if it was a close game? You know? You miss kick. All that kind of stuff. Two losses, though, that's when we start getting into the, at some point, losses do have to matter. And I am curious if North Carolina is still going to be positioned behind Penn State and Utah in this one. Well, the issue for North Carolina is they had three teams in front of them lose. I think they'll move in front of all of those teams, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest with you. Um I don't know what the appeal of Penn State is that they lost to Michigan and Ohio State. That's that's about all they have on their resume. Fair. Utah has at least beaten USC. Mm-hmm. USC, meanwhile, there, there's not a lot on their resume right now. I'm glad you brought up Southern Cal because really, what is the difference between Southern Cal and North Carolina right now? Their strength of schedule, you know, like the, their their conferences do not do them any favors. 
they do have, I mean, I guess maybe because they lost to Utah, which is in the rankings, and where was Notre Dame? I mean, they lost by a point. I mean, Notre Dame, Notre Dame was, was ranked 20th. this week, they though, ranked, so. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's not a there's not a large difference, and, and a lot of this comes down to, you know, they they they, unfortunately for the people on the selection committee, including Boo Corgan, uh, athletic director at NC State, there's not a lot of consistency with how they treat teams. No, you know, because te- you're telling me I have Tennessee above both TCU and Michigan in my AP ballot. I, you can't sit here and tell me with a straight face that you think Michigan is A, better than Tennessee, and B, has done more this year than Tennessee. You can't. I I, I don't know. The only metric you have is that they haven't lost a game. Mm-hmm. But look at the teams they've played. So at some point, the strength of schedule has to matter. The, the teams you're actually playing has to matter. So that's the part that is also can be held against Carolina. But I would I would argue for Carolina in a different way. Because they played App State out of the league. They played Notre Dame out of the league. They put Georgia State out of the league. Georgia State game on the road. The other trendy thing that keeps coming up, and I had a couple of Carolina fans uh, point this out to me uh, in terms of the discussion around Carolina and the college football playoff. For the most part, I think most reasonable, and I want to be clear about this, most reasonable Carolina fans understand that the path to the college football playoff is going to require a lot of work for the Tar Heels. But those who want to engage in that conversation of how it's going to work keep pointing to things like not strength of schedule, but strength of record, which is an FPI ESPN metric that that, that they'll they'll trot. You know, the SOR, you'll see that a lot. David Hale, our friend over at ESPN, likes to use that one a lot. But it's important to understand what that is. The strength of record reflects the chance that an average top twenty five team would have the teams that have that team's same record or better. It's not necessarily ranking your schedule. It's just trying to predict, okay, what is, for lack of a better term, your wins above replacement Yeah, in college football. And right now, Carolina's 11th, which is good. That's a good number, but it's still outside. I mean, you know who's actually got the number one strength of record at this point? TCU. TCU, right? So that's, and, and what's, and, and how much of a dangerous level, they have no margin for error, TCU. Right, the fact that they even got into the top four was like a big deal, given what we had seen in the earlier rankings. So those are the kinds of things that you really need if you're going to get in this conversation. But there's still two weeks left in the regular season. The college football playoff also takes the conference championships into account too. Hey man, it's a long shot, but it's like Dumb and Dumber. So you're saying there's a chance? I don't see it happening, but hey, we'll see how things play out. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We uh, we talked to Steve Reynolds, a longtime high school basketball official, about the state of officiating in this in in North Carolina. And the overall point here is that, and this is this is something that's going on nationwide. I've seen some recent articles in the Wall Street Journal about a referee crisis, so to speak. And if there's no referees, if nobody wants to do it, it's going to be really difficult to play games. <laughs> okay, no refs, no games, folks. Okay, so Steve 
challenged us. He challenged me and Julio to officiate a scrimmage. So we're going to go to Millbrook after the show. And I'm going to, I think we got whistles and referee shirts too. And we're going to be running up and down the court. And we're going to try to officiate a game. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. I don't watch sports with an eye towards officiating. And this is the point. You know, I'm watching for different reasons. Shout out to people who get super into officiating and everything else. So, like, I'm not thinking about three seconds when I'm watching a basketball game. <laughs> That's not what I'm keeping my eye on, right? I'm watching the coaches interact, you know, who are they yelling at, you know, who's somebody out of position. I'm not watching, like, wait a minute, has he been in the lane too long? I'm not thinking about, has he brought the ball up the court in 10 seconds? Is that a high school rule, by the way? Mm-hmm. 10 seconds? Okay. All right, I just wanted to make sure. Boys, yes. I don't I don't even know the rules for high school yeah. basketball, for heaven's sake. Is there a little circle for block charge? Well, we'll find out tonight. <laughs> so the point is, the, the, the point that we're trying to get across, and you'll see this in video form later on in a couple of weeks, is officiating's hard. Yeah. So maybe a little grace when it comes to your high school officials who are underpaid and doing this because they love doing it, not necessarily for any other reason. And a little grace goes a long way. Have you hydrated? I have been hydrating. I feel good about that part. Okay. I The paddles might need to be on standby, though. I will say this. I will say this. I would be somebody's favorite official because I would just let them play. There's a there's a lot of big let them play energy. As you like to say, at least I'm consistent, yeah. right? All right, well, you know what? If you're 10 seconds in the lane, I might finally like, oh, you've been there a long time. I should probably call three seconds. I'm going to be terrible. Because again, I don't watch I don't watch a game with a keen eye for officiating things. I don't think most people do until it's like so egregious, like a pass interference call that gets people all riled up. Plus, you know, basketball moves at a different pace. So last night, there are no more unbeatens in the NFL. Eagles lost last night. And we now have achieved, thanks to Washington beating Philadelphia the perfect circle of parity in the NFL. You can actually play the transitive property game in the NFL now. One team beat another team, which means they're better than that other team. It goes on down the line to complete a full circle of 32 teams. That is impressive. That is by design in the NFL, which makes it increasingly difficult to get too wrapped up early in the year about who's clear Super Bowl contenders, who's not, and you're going to have to start living with flaws, right? And this has been the case with the Buffalo Bills in particular. Bills started off hot. They had an explainable loss against the Dolphins because it was hot at Joe Robbie Stadium. And Josh Allen has been turning the ball over a bunch. He's now leads the league in interceptions, which has created a conversation about, well, which Josh Allen are we getting right now? It could just be that this is what John Shire, or John, what Josh Allen is. And Dominic Foxworth on ESPN's Get Up this morning brought that up, and I thought he made an excellent point. This is who he is. You're going to have to take this good with some of this bad because you see you see how far you could potentially go. Josh Allen made the best leap from one year to another year of any quarterback that we've ever seen in the history of football. Yeah. And now y'all asking him to make another one. 
Stop it. Like, Aaron Rodgers, what he was in his prime and what uh, Patrick Mahomes is right now is unique. You think that you're going to make Josh Allen into a guy that gives you these big, wild plays without mistakes? You're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. So accept that he is outstanding and great and accept that sometimes he's going to give you some boneheaded plays where he's trying to punch out fumbles with his injured elbow. He's going to try to run through people. He's going to try to throw balls through defenders. It stinks, but you take the good with the bad. In a weird sort of way, Julio, we, we've made reference to the fact that the Buffalo Bills are the Panthers north. There's a lot of fingerprints from the old Panthers with Cam Newton to what you see today, including their head coach, Sean McDermott, uh, and their general manager, Brandon Bean. I feel like in some instances, Josh Allen is allowed to do this because Cam Newton did it first, right? It also This is also a better team. The Buffalo Bills are a better team all around, not just like... Cam Newton never had a Stephon Diggs. Sure. Okay. So I, was, I didn't want to shortchange Carolina's defense. Like, oh, the defense is great. Defense, I'm yeah. talking about offensively. Because I don't think the Bills have a Luke Keekley. No. No. But offensively, yeah. the Bills are better than anything Cam Newton ever Correct. really had. The, supports, the support staff around him, yes. So I, sometimes I feel like this is our window. This is our guy. Let him do his thing, which is something that the Panthers were very reluctant to do until that magical season and that had 15-1 in the regular season. So... A lot of fingerprints of what Cam Newton did with the Carolina Panthers is there with the Buffalo Bills. But you kind of heard Marcus Spears there in the background with Dominic Foxworth talking, and he he wanted to counter what Foxworth was saying about Josh Allen. If we get to a point where the Buffalo Bills don't have an opportunity to go to a Super Bowl or win one, it will probably be because of turnovers. I don't see this defense giving up a bunch of points. I don't see this team just going out and playing terrible. And to your point, Grimes and and Foxy, yeah, you're in the red area a lot. Yeah, you have a lot of success. Yeah, you have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But what would be the reason why we would think the Buffalo Bills wouldn't win a Super Bowl? Like turnovers, fine, but that's the thing. And I, I, I get, I get, Spears would probably bring this up for a bunch of other teams. There's all one thing you can point to for the reason why a team is ultimately not going to win the Super Bowl, right? Every single well, one. Only one can win. Only one can win. Only one can win. And sometimes you can even have an uncharacteristic game when that happens, or somebody's hiding an injury that we might not have been aware of. Like Patrick Mahomes is a prime example of this, right? So I'm not going to bail on the Bills. There's, just, there's a lot of buying and selling right now. I'm not selling on the Bills yet. I'm not selling on the Bills We saw yet. this last year with the Bills, mm-hmm. where they hit a sputtering point, particularly on offense, oh, they, particularly with Allen. They hit a rock bottom when they lost to the Patriots in the regular season. I would argue it was losing to Urban Meyer, but... Uh, okay, fair, fair, There fair, were fair. a few games in there where Josh Allen was not clicking, mm-hmm. didn't have the thing going. You know, we saw Gabe Davis emerge at the end of the season that gave him a second weapon. Dawson Knox had a much better season last year. His brother died at the beginning of this year, and he hasn't been the same player this year, so... And now they got to figure out what to do with Naheem. They haven't really utilized him. The other thing to understand, too, is that the Dolphins have also come along here yeah. as well. And the Dolph- I'll know more about the Dolphins in the next couple of weeks uh, as their schedule is- gets a little bit more difficult. But they are dynamic enough with what we've seen with a healthy Tua Tungavailoa and who they've added. They're dynamic enough that you have to take them seriously as well. So I'm buying the Dolphins. And if they beat the Bills... It's not because of some, oh, my goodness, this is – it could just be that the Dolphins are better given the improvements that they've made to compete with the Bills. They felt they had a window as well. The AFC is a lot more difficult to understand, I think, than the NFC. I'm not I'm not really, you know, I'm not really worried about the Eagles. I mean, heck, we're, we're living in a world where Kirk Cousins is having a resurgence and people are like, whoa, 
what's going on here? I'm not so sure yet. Star Wars character or football coach? I'm still trying to figure that out in Charlotte. I'll explain next. If I were to say the name Biff Pogi, Joe, what would you think I'm talking about? Biff Pogi or Pogi, Biff Pogi. There's just not that many Biffs running around anymore. I feel like Back <laughs> to the Future ruined the name. Probably did. It probably did. I think one of Victoria's dogs' name is Biff. That's true. Okay, I did not know that. That's a fun fact. That's a fun fact. Now, Biff Pogi is now the new Charlotte 49ers head football coach. When I saw that name start to percolate on my timeline earlier today, I thought folks were talking about some new Mandalorian character that was going to make young Grogu's life miserable. That would make more sense. That would make more sense. I'm like, was Biff Pogi the guy who was next to Porkins on that Death Star run who got blown up? Like, who are we talking about here? No, it's not a Star Wars name. It's the head head coach of the 49ers. So, <laughs> Matt Rule, I don't know if he interviewed for that job. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Be, it is going to be interesting, though. I bring this up because there's been so many midseason firings, you kind of forgot. All right, well, oh, wait, which jobs are open again? And we're two weeks out from the end of the regular season. i got to imagine that some of these jobs are going to start getting lined up or announced relatively soon. Uh, if not this next week, certainly in between the end of the regular season and conference championships. Yeah, the Monday after Thanksgiving is going to be comings and goings. That, that's going to be a lot of it. And the, the question the question that is going to be interesting to see is, where does Matt Rule land? Like, we haven't thought about Matt Rule in a while. His name's kind of cooled off as the NFL's moved on to other matters. And we've been kind of laser-focused on the college football playoff. Is he still in the running for Nebraska? Is he just kind of quietly hanging around? Is that an Auburn thing? I mean, would Auburn actually want Matt Rule at this point? Who who knows? The one thing to keep an eye on as we get into the end of the regular season and there's an unknown of how NC State's season's going to go is it's time to have like a real conversation about what's Dave Doran going to do? Dave Doran's not in any danger of being let go by NC State. I mean, that's ridiculous. And he has he's if he wants to come back, he can come back. That's not that's not a problem. It's not an issue. And I think most people will be fine with it. But does he want to come back? Is he going to look at this season and wonder, man, okay, if, I, if, if, this, if this is how it was going to go for me here, maybe I do need to go somewhere else and have a fresh start and see where it goes. I don't think anybody would begrudge him for doing that. But as we get closer to the end of the regular season and NC State's year has not gone the way that people thought it was going to go, including that coaching staff, that's probably going to be the more fascinating name to watch this offseason. Yeah, because you, you mentioned the primary moves, Nebraska, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, Auburn. Then there's going to be the secondary moves. Well, who fills those jobs and then who comes behind them? And I think that's where you'll see Dave Doran's name get moved around a little bit. Arizona State's an interesting one, too. If I'm Matt Rule, I'd rather be at Arizona State than the Big Ten, but the Big Ten's going to pay more money. But, Joe, uh, Matt Rule just got paid a, a ton of money by the Panthers not to coach. Yeah. Fair enough. Maybe he'll pick a part of the country that he prefers to be in. I, I don't know what his – I don't know what Matt Rule thinks. There's probably a disconnect between what Matt Rule thinks he can get and what he could probably get. Because you'll remember last offseason, both Penn State and Michigan mm-hmm. had potential openings, and neither one of them was interested in Matt Rule. Matt Rule went to Penn State, if you didn't know, and he fancies himself some sort of, like, kingmaker – uh, it, so Michigan would be in his, you know, the Michigan man. He wouldn't have to do the way of the of the, of the Wolverine. 
He could just jump in line to the, to the Michigan man do you, nonsense. Do, do you think – it's funny you mentioned that. Because for those who don't – there was reporting based on how Matt Rule presented things with the Panthers, the way of the Panther. Yeah. Michigan already has a way. It's, they do. It's a Michigan man, okay? Like, that's not – it's like the Carolina way has their thing, et cetera, et cetera. Does Matt Rule have the ego to think he can go to Michigan and change the Michigan man? He, he did last year, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's no, what I'm saying. He doesn't need the money. I think Arizona State makes a whole lot of sense. But, again, you don't know Ole Miss. Take take Ole Miss, for example. I think, yeah. I think Lane Kiffin's a name that makes a lot of sense for Auburn if they want to pay the money. I think it makes a lot of sense for Lane Kiffin to jump into that cauldron, too. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that one. It's the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias, Dennis Cox, the producer of this program. If you miss anything from today's show, check it out on the Best of the OG podcast. Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast, we're there. Five stars only, positive vibes only. And also check us out on YouTube. You can like us on YouTube, subscribe to us on YouTube, and get a lot of our, our content, a lot of our segments. You can watch them. You know, we're on WRL Sports Plus. It's a lot of fun. But if you missed it on TV, well, you got a place to watch them after the fact over on YouTube. So go check that out.